Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. And Ari, let's talk recruiting. Though, I must say, we've been doing this show for about, what, four or five months? This is the first week since we've been doing Stars Matter that we did not have one player with a 247 composite ranking commit to an FBS school. What do you say about that, Ari? Just we, we're just slow time of year. It's March, man. Not that, we, not that we don't. By the way, not that we don't have a lot to talk about. We got a full show, but just not a lot in the way of commitments. That's what I love about recruiting, though. You don't need commitments to analyze and discuss things. So, um, yeah, I was. In fact, we probably spend about ninety percent of our show or more not talking about commitments. Yeah, Boston College got a quarterback who was a three-star out of Texas, which I guess is yeah. marginally interesting, but he was number 732. Oh, so he does have a ranking. He I went does. To, when I checked the other I checked my I think there were some ranking updates it's when I went the BC Monday. Bump is what it's called. Yes, yes. <laughs> it happens all the happens all the time. Um I went to start up again because I had been on paternity leave and I don't know if people know, knew that because I was still doing the podcast, but I went to do this week in recruiting because it's coming back. So for those of you who have missed it, exciting news it's it's going to be back but i like loaded up my computer and was looking through and you know had some notes and stuff i was like this is very very dry uh so we're gonna have another you know edition of it we're just gonna have to wait another week but that doesn't mean that there isn't a bunch of theory and stuff that mitch uh outlined for us to talk about and you know i'm excited about the show so um and of course to be humiliated again at the end of it so let's just uh that's my goal. Yeah, so I guess when there's no when there's no commitments, we'll just dive into you know questions and some of the things yeah. that we've noticed. So why don't we go ahead? Yeah, it's some interesting stuff. Uh, I looked at the uh, two, the 2023 rankings, um, and we had a question that you answered in your mailbag, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday, and we asked, we addressed this question on the podcast last week about can Notre Dame basically ever sign a top three class. And our kind of our quick answer was like, yes, just need to sign better players, but there, there's always hope. Well, and I knew they had a good class going for 2023. They they started off quickly, even before the the 2022 classes were done. But so far, Ari, they are number one in the nation in the 2023 rankings with nine commitments. Now we've seen that a lot. We've seen teams ranked high, but they don't have staying power because they don't have enough elite players. Well, Notre Dame has staying power. They have two five stars, four top 100 players, and like number 106 too. But here's the key. Their average player rating in their 2023 class is 94.85. And without even last lo- year, without even looking last at year, up. Yeah. Where do you think that would have ranked last year? Last year, that would have been third, I think, right? Second. Second? Alabama, 95.19. A- Texas A&M has signed what I guess is still considered the best recruiting class um, in the modern era. Their average player rating was 94.77. So, great sign for Notre Dame. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at the class, there's nine commitments, and I believe four of them are top 100 players, five are in the top 110. It's like it's weighted heavily right now. So, the thing with with Notre Dame and maintaining this is that they can't just go sign seven other three-star prospects that rank in between 500 and 1,000 and maintain that. So this is certainly something that you you have to take into account too. And like Brennan Vernon, the defensive lineman out of Ohio, uh, was a five star prospect at one point too. So like they've got some top notch players in this class. There's no question about it. Um, now it's about finishing the class the same way they started it because um, that's why the the average player ranking is so hard. Like even if you have really good players at the top, if your you know bottom half of your class is is not that impressive, then you you know aren't in that good class class, as far as the rankings it's not as elite from top to bottom as as the team because like listen notre dame wants to beat bama they want to win a national title they want to be in the conversation to compete against georgia ohio state clemson and those other teams so that's like the weird paradox that i that i have with writing about notre dame is like i get a lot of comments about from people saying "I, i don't ari doesn't like notre dame he's an asshole Show me on the doll where Notre Dame touched you. All that stupid comments that I continually get all the time. And just like Notre Dame is a top 10 program in America and they recruit in a top 10 manner. Nobody's ever, including myself, has ever said they haven't. But I think Notre Dame fans are constantly discussing and and thinking and striving to win a playoff game and maybe more 
and wants to be in that cool kids club that we always talk about. So when I write about Notre Dame, I write about them in the way where I'm comparing them to the peers that Notre Dame fans want their peers to be. So it's kind of hard to to celebrate Notre Dame's classes at times, even though they're very good, the way that Notre Dame fans want to celebrate them because they still are a huge step or two behind the teams they want to beat. But at the same time, if you point that out, you're a hater. So it's like a, it's like right. a weird – it's like this weird thing where it's like, yes, Notre Dame's doing very well, and Notre Dame has made the playoff multiple times, and they have good players on their team, and they're probably one of the top ten programs in America. I don't think anybody would argue with that. But the gap between the number five program in America and the number four program in America a lot of times is really, really big, not to mention the gap between eight and five. So, you know, they're on the cusp. And it, and somebody asked, what do they have to do to sign a top three class? Which the question is, how can they recruit like Bama and AM, right? And we mentioned on this show multiple times, I, if I think, Maybe it was Andy's show. I can't. There's so many of them. I can't always keep track. But Notre Dame has limitations to how they can recruit from things that are out of their control. One, geography is not in their control. And usually there aren't a lot of top 100 players in the state of Indiana. Um, this year there is a top 100 player in the state of Indiana. And the number one ranked player, uh, Drake Bowen, who's a, a linebacker from Merrillville, and he's committed to Notre Dame. So good on them. But two, they have academic standards that are a little bit harder to get into, uh, I should say, than most other programs are competing against, especially in that top five realm. And it's a Catholic school, and it's hard to convince every single person who didn't grow up in a Catholic environment or didn't go to a private Catholic high school to want to be in that environment. So they've got three things against them right now that that makes it really hard. And, you know, you put Notre Dame in that scenario – and then you put them in that same Ohio State scenario that I put them in where there's no real places to to grab talent nationally this year because there's really good coaches and all the geographical footprints, and you have, a, you have a really hard situation. That said, and I don't know if this is controversial. You tell me if it's controversial, Mitch. But, like, Brian Kelly just is not a likable person. Like so I'm, I'm going to interrupt you and tell you what you're saying, and we're going to be more succinct. You think kids are going to start going to Notre Dame now to play for Marcus Freeman, where kids traditionally have just gone to Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame. Thank you. Yes, that's more succinct. Okay. We're working on that in my review, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Being able to it's, write sentences shorter, but say the same thing. Yes, Check. yes. So we, we could have lopped like eight minutes off this pod if you would have just let me yeah. speak. One more thing I want to summarize what you said before. You are treating, and I'm not trying to defend you from the people attacking you, basically you're treating Notre Dame like the elite program that – you think it can be and that its fans want to be. So, like, you're comparing them to the big boys in recruiting. And then they get mad yeah. for me doing It's like, if you want me to start comparing Notre Dame to the results of Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Oregon, and USC, then I'll do that. I'll be happy to do that. Then, yes, yeah. they've, they've recruited better than those schools for the most part. I've got nothing to back this up, just kind of anecdotally paying attention, no research. But it seems to me, well, I think this part's true, that the elite recruiting programs – Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M this past year especially, um, really close, strong. Like right before signing day, they, they, they get a five-star or two or top 50 players. I don't consider – or Notre Dame has, does not seem to be in that ballpark in recent yeah, years. Yeah, like Ohio they've got, State they've wasn't gotten in five that ballpark stars either. And, and this year. It, well, their class was pretty much done. But like I can't remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the last two or three years, Notre Dame closing like the day before signing day at a hat ceremony, someone picking Notre Dame. There seemed to yeah. be – Locked and the reason why that's advance. important is because a lot of the most elite players in the country tend to wait longer. Yeah. It's like, you know, to have two five-star pl- – I mean, they only have one five-star. I don't know why you said two. It, it's only one. Um, but to have – because I think the rankings might have been shifted Yeah, they, I did this bit. Monday morning. Yeah. I think there was an update yesterday. So, but anyway, they have two top 50 players, three top 60 players. So, it's still like in that same five-star realm. To have two guys um, – in that realm committed already is huge. But of the 32 five-star prospects, Mitch, like, I mean, you can go count it up right now. How many have issued a commitment um, so far? And I think it's probably like five, right? Like, well, here, no, let me, let me interrupt you because that's one of my bullet points to get to in a minute. There, this, is, this may be as of yesterday, so it might be updated. 36 five-stars. As of now, seven have committed. That's right. My point yeah. that I was going to bring up, only one to the SEC, three to USC, Two to Notre Dame again. Maybe that again. That's changed, but whatever. One to Penn State. One to Alabama. So that that's interesting. But that just kind of 
confirms our point before. Not that SEC teams aren't getting early five stars, but a lot of them are. They get them at the last, you know, down the stretch. Yeah. And that's it's like two Alabama every year seems to like get two or three guys at the end that are top hundred players, and it's just like, wow, you know. Um, if you build your class early and you get those guys early, it doesn't matter when they commit; it just tends to work out that way. So I do think that there is a, a second gear that Notre Dame can hit, and if people are going to view Marcus Freeman as the type of person that can recruit better, is is because I don't think there's any question that Marcus Freeman seems to be at least more obsessed with recruiting than Brian Kelly was. Like, Brian Kelly was more fair. of a CEO-type face of the program, maybe makes the last phone call type of coach. Marcus Freeman seems like more of a player's coach, somebody I'd want to go play for, somebody who's going to be obsessed with recruiting, and somebody who wants to, to sell that vision. F- Freeman said, in maybe it was something that Pete wrote, um, Pete Sampson wrote, our, our Notre Dame writer, or maybe just read this somewhere else, but that Marcus Freeman about recruiting, his point was, I better be basically the point man on every recruit. Like every guy, every guy we're going after should be able to pick up the phone and call me and know that I know everything about that kid. And that kind of goes against probably what a lot of programs do, where like you just mentioned, the CEO, head coach, the assistants are the point men, and then the head coach might come in and close or at the last minute. But I, I think Marcus Freeman, no doubt about it takes a, a more hands-on approach to recruiting than most, most head yeah, coaches. Yeah, and it could be a nice segue. I don't even know if we're going to talk about LSU, but it's it's very curious to me how LSU is going to maintain that because Brian Kelly now is in a far more competitive environment than he has been. More in players, the past. more competition. So, you know, more players, more competition. And not just from – I mean, it's the same type of competition that Notre Dame was, was having before, but they weren't getting those kids more often than not. So – now he's at yeah. a place where he has to get the eight to ten of them a year when he was only getting three or four of them a year. It's hard. So and and everyone he loses, like if you're Notre Dame and you're losing top one hundred kids, you're probably losing one to Ohio State, you're losing one to USC, you might lose one to Florida State or whatever. When you're LSU, ninety percent of the Bama. kids you lose yeah. are gonna be into SEC West rivals. Yeah. So it, it hurts even more. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. So you know, like Notre Dame is one of those like polarizing programs that a lot of people just hate because they're Notre Dame. I think Ohio yeah. State's another one of those programs. You know, Notre Dame's more polarizing. Than I think Ohio Notre State. Dame is far less polarizing now than they were a year ago. Because people like their head coach. Like, who doesn't like Marcus Freeman? Like, I who, what's not to like about him? Well, they're, they're they're a lot. I agree totally, but they're a lot less polarizing than they were also. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when I was a kid watching college football, when they got the NBC contract, it was a huge deal. It's like, that's not fair. Notre Dame has its own. This That's before SEC Network, yeah, Big yeah. Ten Network, of course. They had their own network. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey hating Notre Dame because, I mean, this is before Rutgers emerges in national power that it is now. Can I ask but you everyone a question? In New, everyone in New Jersey liked Penn State or Notre Dame. What yeah. part of New Jersey did you grow up in? Like, where? Like, uh, what was the area? How far were, away were you from Manhattan? Uh, like 30 miles due west of the Holland Tunnel. Okay, so like, like you, yeah. there was like a very twenty-five miles high concentration of really good private high school, Catholic private Catholic high schools in that area. I bet, right? Not my immediate area, and actually, that's a question that from the mailbag that I want to like. I'm far from Bergen Catholic and Don Bosco. Like in my immediate area, everyone like went to p- public high school. Like Del Barton was the closest. Yeah, uh, but but I've to been to Bergen point, County yeah. before, and I've yes. gone to Don Bosco, and I've been to those programs and have written about those high schools. And I think that there is a air of dislike from people to the high schools just based on who they are. Um, and I think that that plays a factor into it as well. So but you're saying people don't like the high schools or the high schools don't like Notre Dame? What, what's your point? I'm saying people in general either love the high schools or they hate them. Well, I'll tell you, and I, and just I think not, that that not to go too Jersey on you, a lot of people, like I live here in Nashville, and a lot of people... Go to public, go to private high schools in New Jersey. That was like where I grew up. That was almost unheard of. Everyone went to the public high school because it was good. So I think there's such an emphasis on public high schools that maybe I didn't, but maybe a lot of people like kind of don't like the private high schools because like you know why would you go to a pr- private high school? Uh, when but there's a stigma from schools. people who don't go to the high yeah. schools and like how much yeah. money it costs and the buy-in for football and how they recruit and all the things like that yeah. that I think translates totally. to college. So if they have a coach that's I mean, Marcus Freeman is not a Notre Dame man. He's an Ohio, He's an Ohio State, State, State man. man. So, you know, if he brings that Ohio State mentality there and makes it a little bit more of a 
I don't I don't know like how much control the head coach at Notre Dame can have on on the tradition and I'm not saying switch it, but I just think that the face man of the program now is not an unlikable person, and I think that that can help them tremendously. So, yeah, Notre Dame, in my opinion, is one of the. I mean, listen, I I cover recruiting. I love it. I love talking. This is the most interesting cycle of my career. I think. Yeah, I agree. Like, with, I'm, all I'm, the, I'm, with all the with all the head coaching changes, right? Yeah, the, the yeah, point basically. Yeah, Mary, and a lot yeah. of a lot of programs that like I got into a debate on Ralph Russo's podcast with him. Um, about the expanded playoff, um, the AP podcast. If you like hearing my voice, which most of you probably don't, but if you do, go listen to it. If you if you if five podcasts well, a week, we were arguing for you. Yeah, we were arguing about the expanded playoff and the role it would have in potentially flattening the. I keep saying flattening the curve. I think that's offensive. This isn't. Or this isn't. Tr- yeah, March of twenty twenty. This COVID. is. I mean, like evening out the parity of the recruiting results. And people well, are like, well, the result of evening out. You can't even out parody. Evening I'm out sorry. the lopsided nature <laughs> of the of the recruiting results. So that's 60 <laughs> of the top 100 players don't go to five schools. Yeah. And I don't think the playoff is going to do that. Like I'm steadfastly against that notion. <laughs> OK, but I do I think it will help. But I don't ahead. think it will really help. I think it will a dent. If Washington and Michigan and Michigan State and all the teams that were one off playoff teams saw marginally increased. Uh, maybe but there's not going to be some one-off teams. There's going to be some teams like a Penn State that make it two out of every three years or three out of every five years, and then that starts. To yeah, build maybe up. you're that right. Maybe you're out. right. The the, the the one-offs, I get. But I think that the situation in the class this year. I'm going to make a prediction on this podcast right now. Right now, I bet you that the concentration of top 100 players that go to the same five schools will be much less this year than it was two years ago, and last year. I it was you're right. I think and it's 55 last year went to five schools. Um, I think it might be in the 30s this year, which I think will, 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 yeah, if Notre Dame get does its part, we've talked about this. Notre Dame does its part. Texas schools do their part. The Florida schools do their part. Look, man, Miami has two players that are top 50 players right now, crystal ball to Miami. That, that, that wouldn't have really been the case. And I don't even think they're from Miami. So, you know. There's one. How much of that is one from St. Louis? It's just like, come yeah. on, like what? If these if these schools marginally increase their output, if Florida increases their output and land, like, that's like, I think we're gonna get to a question right now, where or in this on this podcast, and I, admittedly, haven't read through your your all your notes yet. But are we gonna talk about what our um, most exciting players to watch are this year that aren't or in recruiting yes. that aren't Arch Manning? Okay, yes. well, then I'll save this, but yes. there's a lot of... If you go look at the crystal balls in the top 100 right now, Mitch, you'll see a lot of school logos that wouldn't have been there a year ago. And I think that's super exciting for the sport, and I think that's far more important than it's expanding the It's great for the sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's great for the sport. Hey, I want to go back to... And we're not done with our, our bullet points, topics, but just because you brought it up... Our, there was a question from the mailbag, and there's no good answer for this, but why does, this is from Matt M., why does New Jersey produce more recruits than New York? What's the difference between suburban New Jersey and suburban like Westchester County and Long Island? Like, I don't know the answer to that, except kind of what you brought up. Like, obviously, I grew up in New Jersey, but off the top of my head, I could name schools like Don Bosco Prep, Bergen Catholic, St. Peter's Prep, um, well, you're St. An, Joseph's. You're an Irving East Coaster, T- so you... Yeah, so I, but I can't think of... And this is interesting. I looked at uh, the top players in New York over the last three or four years. A much higher concentration come from New York City than I would expect. Some schools in Brooklyn and some schools in the Bronx. There's just I can't think of like a powerhouse football school in Westchester County or Long Island. The only one that I can think of in New York is uh, I mean uh, Brooklyn. um, Where did Curtis Samuel go to high school? Erasmus. Maybe, um, but yeah. So there's like two. There's two schools in Brooklyn I think that have produced some guys in, in Bronx, and I just don't know. It's well, not like you would cult- be the person that can answer this, but is it a culture thing? Like, is it no? I cult- like culturally, culturally in New Jersey in those areas. I bet you football is probably more of an emphasis than it is in those other areas. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say New Jersey's wealthy, but like Westchester County and Long Island are probably more, a little wealthier than those. I but mean, I mean, that of the top there's, there's twenty players, football of the top twenty players. In the state of New Jersey, how many of them go to those private Catholic high schools in Bergen County? Decent amount. Decent so I amount. bet you that's probably a, a large portion of it too. 
Yeah, so but like, why those, aren't those there those high schools to a in, extent in, too? Don't they? They give scholarships yeah, I, to players so that that I helps don't know to that. concentrate. Like I don't know how many players who grew up in whatever part of New York you were just referencing like move to Jersey to play for Bergen Catholic. Like if that's that could, could be a could thing be, yeah. too, you know? Yeah, because um, it's not that far. I mean, it's probably pretty far, but not far in like well, no, East like Coast Westchester standard. County's right right up over the state border from from yeah. Bergen County. So I, I think it's crazy, like Buffalo, New York, and how big upstate New York is. There's not there's not a lot of like Buffalo doesn't tend to have a lot of of talent, and maybe it's just because it's so cold there. Maybe people just play basketball more or something. I have no idea. Yeah, but like population so, trends are super interesting, but so is culture trends because. Yeah. You know, like in the state of Indiana, it's like right next door to Ohio, and Ohio is like crazy about football, and Ohio is one of the most important states in recruiting. It's like Indiana is a non-factor. Like, why is that the case? Like Bloomington, Indiana is a two and a half hour drive from Columbus, and even closer to Cleveland, like South Bend, and all those like small Indiana towns that, like, as everybody just it's Hoosier state, so everybody's playing basketball. Like, is that a culture? That's not a population trend. That's a culture trend. Yeah, it's interesting and. You know, any of our listeners from New York, Westchester County, yeah, Long us. Island, let let us know. I mean, I, I would like to know if we're missing some high schools or what the deal is there. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, don't know what this means. 2023, five of the top 10 teams right now, Ari, are from the Big Ten. It's early, very early, but Penn State four, Ohio State seven, Iowa eight, Michigan State nine, Michigan 10, probably won't last uh, as, as far as five in the top 10. But thought that was interesting. Now, here's something I mentioned to you on Slack that I think you thought was kind of interesting. No data to back this up with other than just paying attention to this stuff. More assistant coaches from college are leaving for the NFL than ever. And I'm not talking about like Liam Cohen leaving Kentucky to become the offensive coordinator at uh, for the Rams. That's a no-brainer. And I realize the money's probably, money is better in the NFL. But we have so many position coaches leaving college for the NFL like TCU's Rashad Samples who was at SMU and did a great job now he's bringing all those players a star of like in college ranks like a a rising star he's he's interviewing for the Cleveland uh for the Rams running back job um Memphis just lost uh, I mean Ole Miss lost Chris Kiffin to the Browns so my question is is it because recruiting is just such a pain in the ass nowadays you know I'm not it's harder than it's ever been I'm not an expert in salary structures for NFL assistants, but are we sure that there's always more money there? Because some of these, no, these I just college assumed. assistants make a lot of money. You know, Ohio State's defensive coordinator makes one one point eight million dollars. Well, that's a defensive coordinator. I'm talking. Okay, I, no, I'm, I know. I'm guessing the coaches, Rams running back coach pays more than TCU's running back coach. I think. Yeah, I'm sure that's unless, probably the case. Unless you're an elite, elite program. But does, does the Rams running back coach make more than Alabama's? I don't know. That's a good question, and we we could look it up. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer. Like so, I don't know, like, but but I think that the main point of the question is is recruiting a pain in the ass, and of course it is. Yeah, I mean, there's some coaches that love it, and you know, realize that the relationships that they're building and their ability to recruit that talent has a direct impact on how they're viewed in their job. It's like, who are the who's the who comes to mind for you as the best recruiting assistant in America? Well, it was Marcus Freeman, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know. And he's the Rashad head coach. Samp- Rashad yeah. Samples, Rashad Samples Brian Hartline. was one of them. Definitely. Brian Hartline is viewed as one of the best assistants in America right now um, as a coach, as an assistant. And I think people view him as a recruiter to some extent, but he's going to have two first-round picks. Why, because he has like picks. 10 top 100 players in his wide receiver room? 10 scholarship players in the mm-hmm. fall in the receiver room, and the lowest rated one is like 149, and the rest are top 100. Loser. But like – it's so much easier to be a great position coach when you're dealing with those players. So there's a, there's a, I'm not right. saying that Brian Hartline is good or bad at his job of developing. Of course, he's pretty good at it. He's going to have two first round players this year, but how much of that is Indiana. Brian Hartline? Yeah. Brian Hartline's genius as a receiver coach, or how much of that is just like recruiting elite level players, you know? And I know Chris Olave was a three-star prospect, but still recruiting is the direct way to improve how you're viewed as a person as with football prowess football coaching prowess and some people just aren't up for it man and like i i can i get it too like i'm part of my job is calling teenagers i don't always like it yeah it's weird hey can i call you at nine o'clock tonight you 17 year old kid like i don't it's not always easy to do that i can't imagine how you know they're texting and calling and dming and and joking non-stop with these guys 
And I can I can understand how that could be that could wear on you. And depending on the on the part of the country that you're in, with the handlers and the NIL and everybody with their hands out, and it's like that would be a draining, draining aspect of your job. And like we sit here all day and criticize people for this when they're not very good at it. And like that's part of what we do, and they make a lot of money to do it, so that's that's the way it works. But I understand completely if somebody's like, I love football. That's why I'm in this job. I don't want to spend 80% of my time texting teenagers. I'm going to go just focus on football. I mean, that's a rational thing. And I think it's probably good for the people. Because, like, I think there's a lot of really good football coaches out there that just suck at recruiting, which make them bad college coaches. It's like Dan Mullen's a great coach. He's a terrible recruiter. Yeah. So I don't know what that means for his future, but like if Dan Mullen became a coordinator in the NFL, like he might be very good at that job. It's like maybe Dan I Mullen just, would be a better head coach in foot in the NFL than he ever would be in college. Yeah, just the quality of life can be just. And it's no, the same thing with the, with with head coaches too in the college ranks. That's yeah. why there's so like Pete Carroll's like the only one that really successfully done it right. Did it right? Like Jimmy Johnson does that count? But like in the modern, the greatest coach. Now, the last 10 years outside of Nick Saban failed miserably in the NFL this past year. And I know part of that was crazy off-field a- actions that he should be held accountable for. But Urban Meyer's genius wasn't that he was... So on-field on stuff wasn't great either. Yeah, yeah. It was awful. It was awful. It, it was like... The, I, I don't think I've seen a coach crash and burn that hard in my entire life. That said, he was an amazing college coach that built... Ohio State into something more powerful than it's ever been before. Who and he won, won a it, national championship. Who won at Bowling Green? Who so, won at Utah? Yeah, do you who think won that Urban Meyer is, is some sort of like Vince Lombardi X's and O's genius? Or do you think maybe it's just he had all the good players on his team? And like being yeah. the best coach in college is about who can attract the most talent. It's not about who's the smartest. Totally. And I just, I remember years ago, uh, one of the assistants on the Vanderbilt staff, Franklin staff, I got to know. We had just middle of summer. We had lunch plans on a Wednesday. Calls me 20 minutes before. Oh, we got a recruit in town. I, I got to meet with him. I can't go. Okay, let's do it Friday. An hour before. Can't do it. We tried to do it the next week. We just I just said, screw it. Like, never, literally never went to lunch with the guy. Like, we planned it three or four times, and he just had to. That's one thing, because James Franklin's a maniac. And, I think you know, it's also said partly be, because you don't eat he, gluten. He didn't know that at the time, though. I'm sure he did. He asked yeah. around. Maybe it was a me problem. Maybe he's going to lunch with other people all the yeah, time. He, he was going to lunch with other people Yeah, who could so, eat bread. Um, all right, did you read, I'm putting you on the spot here, because you will read it if you did not. Did you read Sam Khan's Swagcopter story No, it's bookmarked, on my, it's, it's bookmarked on my thing, though, because yeah, I, I have story. very hard feelings about that. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I'm working with Sam with, with Kate, uh, one of my colleagues, is out for maternity leave, so I'm working with Sam, and Sam's our tech expert, covers the state of Texas, and has been working on this story for a while. Uh, it's basically been 10 years since the Swag Copter made its debut at Texas A&M. Look back, talk to your buddy, Kevin Sumlin, for it, so uh, you just te- check it out, the athletic fun story. Sam did a really good job with it. Uh, what was your main takeaway from it? Just... Nothing really. I just I knew a lot about it. It was fun to hear the quotes from some of the recruits, like Miles Garrett. I think that was the first time they landed at a school. Miles Garrett was playing, and just how in awe they were of it, uh, and how cool it was. And just the point was how Texas A and M made recruiting cool. They brought swag to recruiting. Um, and Kevin Sumlin, well, you can say what you want about him now. He, speaking of crashing and burning, Kevin Sumlin crashed and burned at Arizona. But he was the coolest cat in college football for about two or three years. And a lot of that had to do with the helicopter. Now, he wasn't, as the story says, he wasn't the first or the last coach to use a helicopter. But his was the only one called the Swagcopter. And it sat like 12 people, I think, or maybe 8 to 10 people. It was huge. And it was, it was maroon, just like Texas A&M. So just sort of a fun look back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I'm, I can't wait to read it. It's bookmarked. Good. Good. Um, any other comments on your, your, your buddy? Kevin Sumlin? Yeah, he made a lot of and money. Head coach of your Houston Gamblers, try. right? He's your USFL head coach. Doesn't have to recruit. Perfect. I didn't even know that. That's good for yeah. him. Well, when you read the story, you'll know. I'm it. surprised um, that uh, he ever got a job ever again after the last effort that he gave out. Well, well, he's got a job now where he doesn't have to recruit. So maybe that'll maybe that'll. I know, work but out like well. if I had a job in my past where I didn't try at the bulk of it, <laughs> right, yeah, I don't yeah. know that I'd be qualified to do anything. Whether that that yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, 
All right, I asked you to do a little research on our just one. It can't be like three guys. The intru- the recruit that you're most intrigued with in the 2023 class, not named Arch Manning. I'll go with mine first. Dante Moore, quarterback from Detroit. Um, just obviously he's five star quarterback, so I've heard good things about it. I'm just fascinated because he's from Detroit. So can Michigan get him? I mean, what what a win that would be. It's Michigan, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Penn State. And I think it's intriguing because Ohio State is probably not going to get him. I don't know if he's considering Ohio State, but their quarterback room is so talented right now. Devin Brown's, you know, freshman. I know Ohio State tries to sign a five-star every year, but it doesn't make sense for him to go there. So I just think the ramifications of him going to Michigan would be huge. Can Marcus Freeman go in there and get him? So that's the guy that I'm most intrigued to look look at. Yeah, he – so on Thursday, when you're probably – most of you are listening to this, we'll have a story up on The Athletic – the first big board of the 2023 class, the most influential prospects. And I haven't written it yet, but he's probably going to be very high on the list. Um, if I were Ohio state, I would recruit him anyway. I would just make it harder for the teams because they're directly comp- competing with all those teams that are, are trying to get them. I would make it harder for them. Uh, so you want mine now? Yes. Five-star cornerback, uh, Cormani McLean out of Lankland, Florida. Oh, read another story for you to read. Manny Navarro just po- we just posted it. Uh, Manny spent some time with Mario Cristobal at uh, on some recruiting visits or s- some speaking engagements in South Florida, and one of them was at Cor- Cormani's high school. Um, and just how basically he's the most wanted man at, at Miami. And ha- the point is, they the you know if Miami wants to be my- the the U again, this kid can't go to Florida State, can't go to Alabama, can't go to Florida. So he's just he's and right now Alabama is very very much. Into you mean you mean my you mean Alabama's in good position for a five star from Florida? Yeah, shocker. So you know what I'm going to say. I just can't yeah. wait to see if Miami can win. Yeah, that's like That'd to me be, that's it'd like be great for college football. Yeah, right. These are these are the players. If you want to add parity or increase parity, to say it correctly, yes. that can't go to Alabama anymore. If you want that, if you want the current status quo to change, and if we want to make our producer Mike happy. Yeah, he needs to go to Miami. He's a big Miami. He's for Jersey guy, big Miami guy. Yeah. I don't know why that happened. Did he go there? No, but just uh, I think just he told to, me at one point, just for something in the family, his dad liked him or something like that. So, um, but hey, I grew up in Jersey. I, I was I was a diehard Alabama fan. I was probably the biggest you Alabama were? football and basketball fan in New Jersey. Yeah, I didn't you know that know about you. My dad went to Alabama. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, Do you so still root for Alabama now? No, indifferent. Why? Just indifferent. Just why when I, I got to college, I started rooting for the the, the, the mighty Commodores. Um, so, You're, yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with Alabama basketball in the mid-'80s. They were awesome. Could never get past the Sweet 16, but they were really good. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Um, we, we won't spend too much time on this, but we had fun on Slack going back and forth. But other ones, too. Read, just I don't, Sorry, I always do this to you when you move on. But yeah. Caden Proctor, five-star. I, I asked for one. I want to name a few, though. No, but he's got to be – you, you lose. They lose importance. All right, fine. You you're right. Three most intriguing. Okay. 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 Well, so if read the wanna, story. If they want to know names. more, read the story. Yeah, read the story. Okay. Um, so this was in your mailbag a couple days ago, and we had fun going back and forth on Slack. Someone asked you, um, the the best position. If you're a five star recruit, where should you go for you know, for each position? What's the best position? And we decided for a lot of obvious reasons that we were going to pick one. We weren't going to pick a school more than once because as you said in your mailbag, you probably every, the right answer would be Alabama for one. So I agreed for the most part with you. I, I would have, you know, maybe gone a little different direction, but, but quarterback, would you pick? Well, why don't we just name out all the directions that I went and then you okay, can tell I'll me where you them. disagree. Okay. Quarterback, you went USC, obvious reasons. First of all, it's Lincoln. It's it's USC. Who doesn't want to be a quarterback at USC? But now Lincoln Riley's at USC, guy who's obviously done a great job with quarterbacks, different style quarterbacks, walk-ons, five stars. They've been good. Running back, you went Wisconsin. Hard to argue there. They've got two guys in the NFL. You know, Jonathan Taylor went the best young back in the league, and they, that is their in their DNA. They run the ball. I might have gone Georgia, which was your original one before you shook things up a little bit. Wide receiver, Ohio State, another easy choice. They just have so much talent at that position. Tight end, Iowa. They had two first-rounders taken, what, two or three years ago? And they're both Enough very good there. in the NFL, yeah. Yeah. Offensive line, you and Alabama. I kept trying to push you off of Alabama, but you you stood firm on Alabama. Why? 
just because they're awesome. I just like was it's the point I wanted to make was that like the offensive line position now more than ever is like about insane athleticism and being big, fast, and strong and just an athlete. And like Evan Neal's recruitment is exactly the way that I would like want my recruitment to go. It's a five star kid, goes to Alabama, wins a national championship, is developed the right way, goes against the nastiest defensive lineman in the country and is like ready for the NFL. It's like I know Notre Dame fans were mad um, about that, and they were mad about the tight end position too. And it was like maybe you can make a case that Notre Dame belonged in both, but I just had to pick one for each one, and it's just like where. Also, doing it the way that we did it too, you have to remember we had to maneuver it because Alabama could have been the answer for all of them. And if you put them one place, then it makes it a little bit harder to fill in the rest. So, like, it's just where it fit there. It's like you wanted me to say Wisconsin as offensive line you, and it's just like they haven't had a first-round draft pick at offensive line since 2017. So it's like, why? Because that's how we think about Wisconsin, or is that really where I I would argue that they always have a good offensive line, which means they're so good at developing. So if you're a five-star there, you're going to get developed and be a first-round pick. Like just because they haven't, because you think that Wisconsin recruiting. develops their offensive line better than Bama? Not necessarily better, but then I thought that freed up a different position for Alabama. But then who would you knock out? Okay, we'll so I, I had Georgia as my running back, Wisconsin as my offensive line, and then I had Alabama as my linebackers. Where you pick Georgia? Yeah, but Georgia's had like insane run of linebackers like for the last fifteen yeah. years. And they're going to have a first-round pick at linebacker this year. So right. So I, I thought basically Alabama could go. You could, like we said, could go absolutely anywhere. So when you had a school like a Wisconsin, that I mean, you picked running back, so they could be slotted there. That that aren't as obvious. One to kind of slot them in there, if that made sense. Yeah. I mean, the only one I kind of feel bad about is Notre Dame because uh, yeah. they've had a great run at offensive line and and tight end. But I think your I think your defensive line was the most interesting, and you. You made you made a good case. When I first saw that, I was like, "What is this guy talking about?" But then you picked Oklahoma. Yeah, if USC is the destination for quarterbacks now because of what their former coach or what their new coach did at another program, then you have to, you know, because Clemson's defensive line has been nasty. And it's like I know you could probably could have put Ohio State at defensive line with Larry Johnson and the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. Like that, that's all great too. But again, for the sake of, like. You could make a case for Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State for every single one of the positions. So it was kind of hard. It was like a puzzle that I had to put together, and it was kind of a difficult puzzle to put together. So the only one that I think makes sense, if you want to argue with me about it, is Notre Dame uh, being O-line, uh, O-line or tight end because that would have just been a one-for-one swap out of there. Yeah. That's fair. It's like so Alabama could have been running back, you too. Yeah, good question. Um, by the way, real fun question that I, I was going to – there's really no way we can slot it in a recruiting uh, talk, and it's very specific to one school. But in Christian Capel's mailbag today, our Washington writer, someone asked, what school in every other Power Five conference is most similar to Washington as far as like tradition, academics, success, and all that? So that, that's kind of a fun topic. Which know, one did he for, pick out of the Ivy League? <laughs> Power Five. Did it take you a Power second five. to get what I was getting well, at? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Although yeah. he did... He did <laughs> He did use the word academic prowess incorrectly on purpose. When I first saw it, I was like, Christian, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I get what he's doing. I mean, the, the schools that I would say are the most like it, Washington are Stanford, Michigan, Notre Dame, Northwestern, and Vanderbilt. But Well, I'll tell you uh, what he said um, for each league. But uh, that's, that's a fun – like I've always thought that now six, Clemson's kind of lapped them, but his over the past 20 years, like – for two schools in separate conferences, like Auburn and Clemson can't be more similar. Like they have the same nickname. They're just, I just, everything about those schools seems the same. Um, so he said, oh, I clicked on the wrong thing here. Um, I know. I don't know how to use the internet. I just clicked on our Washington stuff and it was, this, it was the fan survey. We should do a recruiting fan survey. We can. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's come up with, uh, Let's come up with that. We'll do that sometime, sometime this spring. It'd be interesting because um, those are always the, the 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 team or league specific ones are always pretty interesting. So, um, just bear with me. I'm almost there. It's good podcasting. He said, "For Big Ten, 
Michigan is the easy comp from an academic standpoint, though. Obviously, Washington lacks the historical need to needed to history needed to truly align itself with the Wolverines. He said Wisconsin. He went up with Wisconsin. Um, and ACC, I know you all want me to say Clemson, but the Tigers' modern success success outpaces anything the Huskies have ever accomplished. He went with maybe Virginia Tech. Um, Big 12, he could not find one comparable. He said maybe Oklahoma State. So, I don't know. And then SEC, uh, this is where he used uh, uh, the academic prowess. He said maybe Auburn, Tennessee, UW's modern prestige and history fall well below Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Florida – but above, say, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, or Missouri, or Vanderbilt, which lacks any history of football success but is so academically prowess that any college football writer, for example, can only pray he is assigned a Vanderbilt grad as an editor. That was in his uh, answer. So You're so smart. He went to Vanderbilt, well, everyone. It was Christian's comment. Do you ever think but it's see, funny that you went to Vanderbilt? See how he used academically yes, prowess? Incorrectly. incorrectly, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's funny that you and I – like you went to Vanderbilt and I went to Arizona and we are just at the same place at the same time? No. I mean, I have, there's smart people everywhere. You don't think I'm smart. <laughs> I think you're savvy. I'm savvy. Yeah. I've created street- a brand saying water's wet, so I've got to have something for <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> you're, you're street smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I got a question for you. It's just the- then we're getting some mailbag questions. Okay. Okay, you're an assistant coach. You've decided that you, you do love recruiting. You love hitting the road. And you're going to a kid's house for dinner. And his grandma's making some food. And you're hungry. And there's a McDonald's. Do you stop and get a filet fish Like, I know you love to eat. And I know you love pie, pizza pie. If you're, okay, where's your favorite? If you're in Evanston, where's the place with the, you, you, you and Blanche Pequods. talked about the best pizza. Is it in Evanston? It was great, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the best I've ever had, but it was really good. Here, here's how much I love you in the podcast. My daughter's calling me from Spain, but I'm going to continue you talking. Probably to pick you. that up, dude. And just yeah, she's, she's okay. Okay. Um, you I'll never know. It's soon. Spain. I've seen Taken. Yeah. Is that not a um, funny joke? No. I, 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 if you're talking about like people getting kidnapped <laughs> in the foreign country, please don't do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, like, I okay, you're. Up is all I'm saying. Yeah. So you're in this spot. Where it's like your favorite pizza pie. Do you go get a couple slices before you go to grandma's house no. for dinner? No, you you always eat the sad, terrible meal for you when you're not satisfied. So you go, you give grandma the benefit of the doubt, and if it was a bad meal, you don't eat much of it. Then you go get what you want after. Do you have the discipline, though, to drive by the pizza place? Yeah, sure. If I'm going to dinner, I don't eat before I go to a dinner. I but eat you're going after to an uncertain to dinner. dinner. But I would always eat, yeah, uncertainty, but... Those places are open all night. So, you know, the post-dinner Whopper is, is, is <laughs> it's all deadly, you know? Uh, also, too, like, grandmas know how to cook, man. Yeah. They no, cook, it's usually they strong. They cook way better, way better than we cook. Yeah. And they, cook, I mean, and they cook with the good stuff. You know, in my house, my fiance is a wonderful cook, but everything that we eat is, like, the healthy version of the thing. Imagine me going to, like, an old grandma's house who just nothing but, like, just great fried chicken yeah, and all the stuff and me telling her I can't but I tell her I can't have gluten and then like her what would you do like, like you would be a terrible recruiter because you couldn't I eat know. cornbread I, well I can that's a bad example I can eat cornbread you can it's made of cornmeal oh it is yeah that's I didn't know that yeah all cornbread is gluten free yeah, uh, that's not true I don't know you can make perfectly good cornbread, you know how I know that because Britt made well, cornbread for Thanksgiving we had to get a special cornbread mix Okay, well, my wife makes it, and it tastes the same as normal cornbread because cornmeal. So you, it's not like making gluten-free normal bread. But if bread you went to a barbecue restaurant in Dallas, you wouldn't just blindly eat their cornbread. Right, correct, correct. Yeah. So yeah, watch I yourself. Would not, I know yeah, what right. gluten is. What if I, yeah, but it'd be great. What if I did not get hired by a coach, head coach, because I had to have a gluten-free diet, then I could sue him for like millions of dollars. Yeah, we could. I'm going to start No, I don't think there's a judge that would pl- sympathize with that. I think we're tired I'm of gonna, the gluten stuff, if we're being I'm, honest. It don't say tired. I have a celiac disease. It's not by choice, okay? I'm just saying it's the whole. Are you attacking me? I didn't know what gluten was in 2000 and 2009, and now it's like I didn't an know entire, what it was when I was diagnosed. But why? The, the, but like, the doctor said the you can I don't never understand have about gluten, though. Why did it, it become att- a thing in like 2012? Because like, it started. It it was just like the most. It's very undiagnosed. A lot of even doc, gastroenterologists didn't diagnose it correctly, so it just became more. You're talking to somebody who's marrying one of you. I know. I'm I know. marrying one of you. 
So that's yeah, the other thing too. I'm, I'm very curious with my daughter. Like, is she going to have that problem? It's hereditary. Not my kids do not have it. But I didn't. I didn't get it until I was like 32. So. Um, I thought you had it your it. whole life, and you didn't realize it till the end. Because like my wife, fiance, she's my wife. We have a child. Um, she used to eat normally till throughout her all of her, all of her 20s, and she would always get stomach aches, and she would never know why. And then eventually, she just stopped eating. Did she have any surgeries in her mm. early 20s? A lot of times, it's triggered. A lot of women actually, after C-sections, it gets triggered. I be- I've self-diagnosed myself. I had mono when I was like 31. I think my mono triggered it. Like it's dormant, and then it can be triggered by a traumatic event or a, really? a surgery or something like that. Yes. That's interesting. So, so yeah, I mean, I pizza and beer, like no problems until like I was 32, and then... Um, but right. if you had a pizza and a beer right now, you'd get, you wouldn't get sick either, right? I don't know because I haven't had some in like 15 years, but I don't... Is gluten-free beer good? It's yeah, it's good now. It was terrible when I was first diagnosed. I found a few brands that are good, and I like cider. All ciders are gluten free too. Oh, so. that's good to know. So when we finally meet each other, we can have a cider together. I like cider. Yeah, it's good. You can't drink too much. It's too sweet. But yeah, like it's not like you're gonna drink a six pack. Enough so. to give you that buzz though. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, uh, a couple questions from John M. Would you rather have three insanely talented wide receivers with an okay offensive line? Or an elite offensive line with mediocre wide receiver talent? Uh, great offensive line. Agree. Um, if you have a position that sucks on your team, though, you're going to be exposed one way or the other. So there's no real answer to that. But if but you're quarterback... You, yeah, offensive line is the worst position. I mean, you guys second. saw Joe Burrow take his team to the, to the Super Bowl having been sacked more than any other quarterback in America uh, this year. And it finally caught up to them. So I just think that I would protect my – and he blew his knee out the year before because they couldn't protect him. So if you if your quarterback has no time, then it's just kind of you – can't, you can't have one without the other. I think offensive line is like the position I would shore up first. Like if you were the yeah. general manager of an NFL team, expansion team, and your team had no talent on it, but you had the first pick overall in the upcoming draft and all your players sucked, like what position would you draft first? Left tackle? You would before quarterback? Quarterbacks. The, the famous one is uh, is David Carr, you know, with the Texans. I mean, Tim Couch was a really good quarterback, and he got his head beat in for three years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. David yeah. Carr just got destroyed. So it's like you're, you're wasting – it's a good question. I'd probably go offensive line because a good offensive lineman can play for 10, 15 years where a quarterback is going to get beat up, you know, and I don't know, edge rusher. There's, you know, it's yeah. – there's expansion drafts too, obviously. So you, you, if you load up on defense, but that's 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 an interesting and difficult, difficult discussion for for teams. Um, all right, this is a long question. I I think it's a good one though from Nick C. Asa M asked in the last mailbag about the results of the Nick Saban clones coaching all 130 teams. We we did that. I've got a similar question. What if we found out that at halftime of the national championship, Kirby Smart found Mark Richt and prayed that he be able to win a national championship with the stipulation that he would have to coach the next 10 years at a group of five or FCS school if his prayer were answered? Where does Kirby go to turn a mid-major team into a team that's in national conversation day in and day out? My initial thought is Georgia State with its prime location near a recruiting gold mine and lacking uh, the stringent academic requirements that hamstring Georgia Tech. After seeing the impact Deion Sanders has had, it seems like a coach with a proven track record like Kirby could take a team with the right location, fan base, and alumni base and make them at least a contender for a spot in expanded playoff. Basically, what this question is, what's the best group of five school for Kirby Smart? It's a funny question because it's like, I will do anything. I will sacrifice my entire career to win a national championship, but the reason why I wanted to win one so bad was to legitimize myself enough where I would never have to coach at those places ever. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let, let's let's take this. One. Let's take the schools moving to the Big Twelve out. So you can't go to UCF, Cincinnati, um, you know, Houston. Tulane jumped out to me. Like, hey, I love Tulane. I almost went there. Good school. Lack of support would would be difficult. It just it gets lost in New Orleans. Yeah. And Georgia State, same thing in Atlanta. Like, I'd rather go to Georgia Southern, which it's like in that community, it's a big deal. Or App State. What about App State? App State would be a good one. Yeah. Trying to think of like what, like FAU or FIU. 
I feel like yeah. FAU would be a really fun place to coach. Well, Lane Kiffin, Boca. I don't know why Lane Kiffin ever left that job, if we're being honest. Sun-kissed Money. aviator glasses and a tan suit on the way to away games. King Money. of Boca. So, I think there's a lot. San I mean, Diego State. Georgia, take t- Georgia State because of the proximity to Athens. Yeah. Like Cincinnati would have been I the answer. I think you could recruit Georgia Southern better than – I think the same coach would have better recruiting results at Georgia Southern over Georgia State. Yeah, that's – I could get on board with I mean, that. They've won national championships there. Um, FCS or one, Division One AA. Basically, Dylan L. is he's, – he's asking – is there a chance? Is he crazy to think that under the new staff that Oklahoma is going to recruit better than they did under Lincoln Riley? I think they can recruit more complete. That's kind of what that was another question too that I didn't get to about you know loading up at certain positions and. and but that's Oklahoma's a good question too. One, yeah, Oklahoma is the first one that comes to mind. And that's the thing, like too, it's like, and I know I use a lot of Ohio State examples, but we just got done with a podcast about Ohio State. But Ohio State has eighty-five scholarship players, and ten of them are top 100 receivers. It's just like that means that at least seven they of those guys... They need to trade two for some linebackers. At least seven of those guys that factor into the blue chip ratio won't have an impact on the team and they could use those guys in the defensive backfield. So like if you load up too much at the same position and those players don't play, you have a really sexy blue chip ratio, but it doesn't impact the tangible results of, of your team that year. So... It's the same thing, too. It's like Ohio State's got three top 100 players at quarterback, and only one's going to play. So it's like you could take between quarterback and receiver on Ohio State's team, you've got 10 scholarship players that are rated more or rated higher than everybody else on all the other Big Ten teams that aren't even going to see the field. So like if you stack them at the wrong positions, that can have a detrimental impact in terms of results as it pertains to where you're supposed to finish in the, in the talent composite rankings. Yes. So I think that's in, you know, every program strives for balanced classes, but sometimes like, what are you going to not take a, another five-star receiver? Right. Who, who, yeah. Who wants to go to your, your school? Um, then we had the question about New Jersey and New York, which we already answered. We'll go one more. I mean, this one seems kind of obvious. Just wanted to see if you had any original thoughts. Eric D, what's the fastest way for a school to improve recruiting? Fastest way. Try so to get lucky, maybe to get lucky that like as a you, you got a five star in your backyard whose dad went to your school and then you you get him on board. I mean, I, I think, think there's some I luck think involved. Honestly, a lot of the, I think the passion and hiring a coach with a passion, um, and a burning obsession with it is the first step. Yeah, getting the right guy. You'll see. You'll see Miami this year. The difference. Oh, yeah. Read, read the – I mean, I, obviously we knew that Meyer Cristobal loves to recruit, but just read this story about, you know, his recruiting at Miami. It's just – I'm going to link to it in the big board. He, yeah, he's – put it this way. He's wired differently than Dan Mullen. Yeah. Um. So, all right. I uh, got the trivia question, but, you know, you, anything else you want to bring up? I have a headache. You have a headache? Okay. Are you get, like last week? You got out of doing the mailbag because you had a headache, but you're off maternity paternity leave now, so you've got to do your story today. Yeah, I'm going to do it the second we hang up. No excuses. No excuses. And then you know you got your baby routine at like six, so you got to be done by then. Yeah, we got we got bath time and tender time, feeding yeah. time, reading time. Do you? Does she? Uh, did you guys ever do the bath in in the kitchen sink, or do you guys go no, straight? She's to too the, big for that now, too. But did you ever? No. Okay, we did. I think at the beginning. That's cute. Very beginning. Um, yeah. We have a very, we have a, one of the, it was funny. My mom was in town a few weeks ago and the amount of stuff that we have to like make stuff easier for us is so hilarious for somebody who like raised somebody in the eighties. Like we have a baby Brezza machine. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it, but I don't know. It's like a Keurig, but for baby formula. Oh wow. You just push a button. I love Keurigs. Yeah. You push a button and then the bottle is made with warm water and they mix it for you so you don't have to measure out the formula and shake it up and put it in a bottle warmer. We have um, another machine that you can like rinse the bottles out and put it into and then it steams them so you don't have to boil bottles to... What the hell? Yeah, like I don't even... work. And then like in the bathtub we have this mechanism 
where it's like this plastic piece that has different compartments that fill up with the water and there's a built-in thermometer into the bathtub thing that tells you how hot the water is. So you know exactly. Like Back how in my we- day, we just dip our finger in. <laughs> no, I know it. And like my mom was like, we didn't have any of this shit. And yeah. it was, it's hilarious to see because it is like, I, my personal opinion is that the baby industry is like a complete racket that like preys on new mothers that don't know what they're doing and they're yeah. making them feel bad if they don't buy the stuff. And we have People a lot of unnecessary having babies. Yeah. We have a lot of unnecessary crap in here that we bought that we don't need, but there is a lot of like modern technology that makes our lives easier. Also, there's like a lot to read too, like books and online websites of here's what to do and whatnot. I think there's too much information. I didn't read anything. Yeah, I, I, I never read a book before the baby was born and I could tell you, like I've got the whole schedule <laughs> all. Never I read got, any book? I read, um, I read some weird books in my life. Did you read that book I gave you? I'm, I haven't I started it, it yet, but I have it on you my You said you are going to read it on the plane to California like a month ago. I know, ago. then I started listening to rap music and it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I read Charlie Manson book called Helter Skelter in high school. I, I read that like two years ago. You I did? never read it. You big yeah, serial killer guy? I love serial killers. Yeah, I know. Uh, why is it so fascinating? I, mean, I don't know. Everyone likes, you know, yeah. everyone loves serial. I mean, I think everyone. it's because people like to try to it's understand so weird. the incomprehensible. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it's just, like a, it's a fascinate. It's a fascination of how, what does this person's brain work like? Because it's so, it's so removed from the way that you would view anything. Yeah, it's just, yeah. So I've read, back when I was like in high school and college, and I used to read a lot more like, books like I, that. Ted Bundy, I probably read three books on Ted Bundy. Yeah. Dude, the way they caught him is insane. Yeah. Like yeah. the Heath Impressions thing, you know what I'm talking about? Um, Don't remember that part. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we, we'll talk about that after the show. Okay. <laughs> um, Ready for the trivia question? I mean, forensic science is insane. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know how anybody gets away with anything anymore. I know. I watch a lot of uh, stupid shows on CBS. I mean, podcasts, like I I listen to football podcasts, but a large portion of my day is listening to murder mystery podcasts. Yeah. Did you watch Dexter? No, I didn't. I heard it was bad. I never watched it. Oh, it was great. I heard it was very repetitive. After after five episodes, it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Bad advice. I I like good it. guy kills bad people. Eight almost gets caught, then doesn't. Six, like nine thousand seasons times. of yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you I like haven't seen it, but then I nail episodes. it. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, one more thing. We'll go to trivia question. I saw you tweet about it. Did you watch Inventing Anna? Yes, I did. I thought it was awesome. We're, we have one more episode to go. There, so. there. I find I found humor in it. Um, yeah. So the thing about that show is I don't know how much. Like I know they make the joke. All this is true except the stuff that's not. Like I just want to know. Like. How much of it's true? And I've, you know, I know you can do portion of it. I mean, the way they portray her is true. Yeah. So like there was one, and it's funny, it's a journalism thing, but like in the second episode, the journalist who was writing about, first of all, I wanted to ask you a journalism question now that you've watched it. The thing that they kept building up to um, in the show about like what went wrong at her previous job, you know, like that thing, wasn't her fault. And like, also wouldn't have like got had her call. It was her boss's fault. Yeah, her like, friend, it, the and editor. it doesn't even like. It's not even that big of an error. It, yeah, it made it seem like she killed one of her subjects. Thing. Yeah, it was so yeah. weird. Also, that entire show, she does twelve hundred things that would be no nos for journalism ethics. Well, she convinces her, you know, to to, to what to not to take the police so she can do a story on her. She did like ten yeah. things that were bringing her dresses, like all the stuff that she did. You would get fired for. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was funny that when she initially visited her in Rikers Island, she didn't do the uh, the media room. She just like yeah. went and visited her like as a personal visitor. And yeah. Anna got mad and she called the media room VIP. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I don't do interviews unless I'm in VIP. <laughs> like that's like what her mindset was. Yeah. Here's the thing I don't understand. And it's the same <laughs> thing about Bishop Sycamore. So the main thing with this person was that she would go check into hotels and she would live in these hotels for three weeks and then the bill would come and they'd be like, I'm wiring you money and I I can't even check into a freaking Fairfield Inn for $77 a night without having my card clear first. Who are these? Right. And, and the guy at Bishop Sycamore <laughs> did the same thing. He would check his yeah. whole football team into a Fairfield and the next day bail out on the money and not pay it. It's like, how did you check lie, in to begin the easier, with? The bigger the lie, the easier it is to believe. I don't understand how these people get into the hotel rooms to begin with. You have to provide a credit card that clears immediately. I agree. If I were working at that and this hotel, is like a, was she, she, she staying at 11 it. Howard? I stayed there yeah. once. You did? Yeah. 
fancy. We right. like I like nice hotels. They wouldn't even let me you into like the, the finer f- things in life. The, they wouldn't even you, let the they wouldn't even let me walk into the door unless I I paid. I don't know I don't know how people get into these hotel rooms without having a credit card that clears. It's not like a check. It's not 1974 anymore where you can like check in with a check. <laughs> There's ways of verifying somebody's credit or their ability to pay for something long before they get into the hotel room. Okay, trivia question time. I'm sorry. I just get wound up about it. I just no, don't know how good. scammers do that type of thing. I just don't I, yeah. I don't understand. Simple Name hotel Name the possible. first Super Bowl winning quarterback who was a five-star recruit. Modern era. So they had to come come up in 2002 or later. Damn, dude, that's really hard. Because I don't remember, I don't remember who even was a five star quarterback like in the 2000s. These questions aren't easy, Ari. That's a really hard question. But at least I can't like do something that's embarrassing for math, right? Well, you can't say like 17 when the answer is one. Oh man, I don't know, man. I don't even know you where want to a clue? begin. Yes. Played in the SEC. It's not Tim Tebow. He's from probably within 10 miles of where you're sitting right now. 15? Really? My Dallas geography is not great. It's not Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> Why are you yelling? Because I'm like a frustrated that I don't know the answer to this question. He... Played in the SEC East. He he went to high school with a very prominent major league pitcher. Is it Matthew Stafford? Yes. Okay. He's the first five-star quarterback to ever win one? Well, yeah, but like Peyton Manning won and Eli Manning, but they came up before. Like Eli probably would have been a five-star. Peyton Manning would have been a five-star, but they came up before the modern era. And like Tom Brady's won a bunch and like Nick Foles. You know, so yeah, okay, that's, two, that's a really a tricky question. Two parter. Name the first Super Bowl MVP who was a five star recruit. Um, Von Miller, Matthew Stafford. I Von Miller was a four star. Good guess. That was a good guess. At least I didn't yeah. look like a jackass with my guess. Right. Wow, he's the first five star too. That is really, really interesting. That's yeah. Because like honestly, recruiting rankings are over twenty years old now. And like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were recruited longer than twenty years ago, even though they're more recently known as the best. Yeah. Well just say like, Tom Brady won what, six, seven? No, but Tom Brady was after two thousand two though, wasn't he? He just wasn't a five star. But player. he wasn't a five star. Yeah. No, he was before two thousand two. He was like late he was ninety he played ninety eight in Michigan. He did? Yeah, so just think, Tom Brady won six or yeah. seven. Peyton Manning won two. Eli Manning won two. That's 11. I was like trying that's to think almost, like, like that's players, almost half. Like Cam Newton, but he never won a Super Bowl. Like, like I'm just trying to think right. of like big time. Tim Tebow didn't win a Super Bowl. He would have with better coaching in Denver. Josh Rosen didn't win a Super Bowl. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> Yeah, um, That's a, that was a really good question. I thought that, okay, was, so I, that was entertaining and insightful. Thank you for asking Yeah, that. well, the second part. Cut. Name the first Super Bowl MVP who was a five-star recruit. Matthew Stafford. He didn't win MVP. Cooper Cup did. Oh, you're the one who said Matthew Stafford. No, oh. to the first part. Pay attention. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. You're cheating now. You're looking I'm up I'm not MVPs. cheating anything. What do you mean I'm cheating? Okay, I'll save you some time and heartache. The answer is none. No five-star recruit has won a... Dude, this show is called Stars Matter, man. You're ruining our vibe right now. You're blowing up our spot. I know. I'm sorry. Do you, do you have reason to live now? No, no five-star prospect has ever won. That is a very obscurely interesting stat. I hope I didn't screw that up. So I don't want. I don't. Like, I, it sounds like Twitter. it would be wrong. But I, I looked I, twice. So. Also, like winning the the a Super Bowl MVP is such a weird. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like thinking about like former five star prospects who are like super big stars in the NFL right now, and like a lot of them just don't play in the Super Bowl. Like Stephon, Miles Diggs. Garrett, right? Miles Garrett, Stephon Diggs, yeah, you know guys like that. So you know when we came up with the idea of the show, we're like, well, can we do one every week in the off season? You know who I, I almost guessed? We had we had what? Who'd you guess? Uh, Nelson Aguilar. 
but I thought he might have won. Was he on the Eagles? I, I think so. When they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. And didn't he have a huge catch in that game? Or am I just like... Maybe. I don't know. My yeah, Super Bowl memories been wrong, aren't great. So. Yeah. So, well, as I was saying, we basically were wondering, can we do a recruiting show every week, like in the dog days of the, the offseason? We just talked about an hour for an hour about recruiting, and we had literally no 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 commitments this past week. Yeah, so I, think, I think we answered. I think, I think we answered our question. We're talented. What can what can we say? Or we just talk a lot. We talked some about gluten. We talked a lot about yeah, um, TV shows. That's a good. Uh, yeah. We did talk about inventing Anna for five minutes. Yeah. If you or anybody that you know knows how to check into a hotel without paying for <laughs> it before, and then you can just leave without paying for it, just let me know. But the key is just being incredulous when they ask you. Like, how dare you ask? That's me? not the way my life experience has gone. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll need a credit card. How dare you? Do you know who my father is? What, they're going to be like, either you give me the card or you don't get the room, buddy. Like, it's like, it's simple hotel policy. If you know how to check yeah. into a hotel without a valid credit card. Okay. I mean, I want to. Especially 11 Howard. I want to uh, point out one thing that I, when they were in Europe, were they in, wherever they were, and she hadn't paid. And the guy was like freaking out because he couldn't get his medicine. That they would have let the guy get his pills. They would have given him his pills. Yeah. Yes, that was unrealistic. I thought. So yeah. okay, I just wanted to see if you agree with me. Yeah. Is that what is that what a hotel does though? If you don't pay for your room, they just keep your shit. I would. I guess so. What else can they do? Just kick you out. The one thing that annoyed me about inventing Anna. Yeah. That they never explained is where all of her clothes kept going. Yeah. Like she was like always she wearing very life. expensive clothes and then she'd be like walking around Central Park by herself and it's like, where's all of her shit? And, yeah. And is the answer the it, hotel confiscated it all? Could be. Also, if you know you have no money and you're trying to fake it, why are you tipping everybody $100 everywhere you go? Another and good then question. not being able to check into a ho- uh, Holiday Inn Express because you don't have any money left. Right. She literally could have paid for a, a hotel she could have just, $100. Yeah. Yeah. Could have. For the amount of $100 tips that she gave, she could have found a reasonable apartment for a few months agree but you know she wasn't seeking an advisor you, you weren't there for her she so. was dangerously close to getting approved for a 50 million dollar loan with zero <laughs> credit history yeah you should try that i mean honestly and it's not like yeah i really good scammers can do it on a level that i can't even comprehend i would just be okay you know what I did? It's kind of a scam. Got a job at the athletic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. In Phoenix, I went to visit my parents over the weekend, and I had a show with Andy Staples that I had to record on Sunday, and I forgot my podcast mic. So I thought, well, I need to get one. I needed to get a new one anyway. <laughs> so I thought, hey, I'm going to buy one here, and I'll just take it home. Whatever. I bought the mic. I used the mic, and then I returned it. Because I didn't like it. Eh, I think I think it's okay. You had intention. You, you your plan was to keep it, right? Initially, yes. Right? Okay, and then you thought about returning it. Then I realized I didn't want to carry it on to the plane and all that stuff. And I was like, I only use this once. I packed it up nicely and I returned it the next day. And okay. also, the audio was messed up, and I didn't even use the mic after all the effort too. So isn't it sort of like don't a lot of girls like buy, get prom dresses and return them? I don't Is know. That a thing? That's that grosses me out though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get a tox and you return it. All right. I think we should wrap this up now. Yeah, probably. It's your job to wrap up. It's your job to wrap up. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Stars Matter and how to con a hotel. Uh, Or how not to, because I don't think we helped. I'm sure in the next few months that things are going to be far more hectic than they were this past week, but I still thought it was a pretty entertaining show. Uh, Appreciate all you guys for sticking with us, and we will talk to you next week. 